This podcast has been prepared exclusively for institutional, wholesale, professional clients, and qualified investors only, as defined by local laws and regulations. Please read other important information, which can be found on the link at the end of the podcast episode. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the May 2023 Eye on the Market podcast. This one's called Too Long at the Fair. Um, I have recommended to clients for well over a decade, actually since 2009, that they should overweight the United States in emerging markets and underweight Europe and Japan in their regional equity allocations. The the excess returns from that kind of strategy, if implemented, uh, have been enormous. Uh, but the time has come to retire this barbell for a while. Uh, I stayed too long at the fair, and I should have made this recommendation to put the barbell aside a few months ago when when Europe was trading at a massive 35% PE discount to the U.S. And uh, a slightly brighter picture in Japan relative to China is another reason why uh, it's time to put this barbell aside. So <clears throat> this month's eye on the market goes into the details. We have some charts since this, the barbell has actually done extremely well since 1988. It's been 30 years that that uh, investors have benefited from overrating the United States and emerging markets versus Europe and Japan. Um, most of that benefit has come from overweighting the U.S. over Europe. The the EM versus Japan thing has been profitable, but um, <clears throat> smaller and kind of hit or miss over the last decade or so, um, and. Uh, we have some charts in here that kind of illustrate that. So first, why did this barbell perform so well since 2009 when we started to recommend it? We have a chart here that decomposes the reasons. And there's five major factors. One is the outperformance of the dollar versus the euro. Another one is that U.S. sector weights uh, are higher in tech and healthcare and lower in financials, energy, industrials, and staples. And so... Um, there's a sector benefit uh, in the modern world to being overweight tech and healthcare, um, and then within sectors, U.S. technology, consumer discretionary, and financial stocks have substantially outperformed their European counterparts. These five factors explain are over ninety percent of the U.S. outperformance since two thousand nine. Now, what has changed over the last few months uh, since September of last year? Europe has outperformed the U.S. by around 20%. Around two-thirds of that is simply due to the decline in the dollar. Now, as we wrote last time, while we don't think that the dollar's reserve currency status is under serious threat, there is room on a cyclical basis for the dollar to decline uh, given its sharp rise versus other currencies. And there's other bits and pieces in there. Uh, your outperformance of European consumer discretionary stocks, a tiny bit of outperformance of, U of European financials. But the vast majority of what's happened over the last few months has been the change in the dollar. And uh, the other interesting thing is that since last fall, Japan has outperformed emerging markets by about 10%. And to me, what's notable is that one of the factors there is a resurgence in M&A activity in Japan, which is unusual, and some of which is coming from foreign investors, which is even more unusual. And and you may have seen some of these deals, but you know Bain acquired Hitachi Metals, Evident and Gelato Peak, 
Uh, KKR acquired Hitachi Transport. Fortress acquired Seven and I. All of these were multi-billion-dollar deals. A little bit more on Japan later, but the 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 increase in leverage buyout activity is is kind of a big deal in Japan. And now we've seen some arguments that suggest that well, we're we're in for another period like 2005 to 2007 where Europe crushed the U.S. Um, that was kind of a weird period in Europe. There was an explosion of bank lending everywhere from Germany to Spain, Netherlands, Italy, France. And, and I don't think that's going to be repeating itself. So that's, I think that's kind of a silly argument. We have some charts in here that explain why. Um, the, the, the mistake that I made is that uh, by not recommending this a few months ago, Europe is essentially a value play. When you look at the context of its heavy sector weightings to staples, financials, energy, and utilities, and and everything has a price in the value market, right? I mean, every at eventually price to earnings, price to book get, could get cheap enough that everything has a price. And I should have been paying more attention to how cheap Europe got uh, by September of last year. Europe's PE multiple hit the lowest level on record versus the U.S. Around, of around 35% PE discount. And while there were valid concerns that all of us had about Europe's energy situation, rising inflation, exposure to China, which was still in the lockdown, investors were receiving an enormous discount for taking European equity exposure. And, and you know, I should have been more focused on that. Um, now, how much can it rally? Your, I think Europe's outperformance is capped when you look at return on assets and return on equity uh, in almost every major sector, the, the U.S. companies are more profitable than the European counterparts. But um, you're getting paid a lot of money at a 30 to 35% P.E. discount to take exposure to Europe. So, um, And let me just spend a couple minutes on Japan. Uh, there's been discussions about improved corporate governance in Japan for probably 20 years. But just over the last few years, it seems like the government is a little bit more serious in terms of doing something about it. Uh, there's been a record increase in stock buybacks. Um, you know, Sony's spinoff and buyback is one example of that. And now the government is, is really going after the 50% of companies that trade below book value. They have to outline a plan to maximize shareholder value and comply with these new shareholder liquidity and, and director reforms. And the 10 to 20% of companies that, that don't comply with the cross-holding and free float uh, rules uh, may face delisting. So there's a little bit more teeth now. And um, around half of Japanese companies have, have a lot of cash compared to less than 20% in the US and Europe. So there's there's a lot of potential benefits from a corporate governance movement in Japan that has m real momentum behind it. And of course, you know, positioning is low in Japan. I, I don't think I've ever talked about Japan on on this podcast or you know several years since I've talked about Japan in the eye on the market. So to wrap up, um, the valuation discount for Europe and Japan remains pretty high. There might be a little bit more legs left in this anti barbell trade. Um, I wouldn't argue for for a reverse barbell, which would be overweight Europe and Japan. I don't have that much conviction in Europe to do that. Um, Europe has a long history of, of of grasping defeat from the jaws of victory, and the ECB still has tightening to do. But um, uh, I also think the U.S. debt ceiling is going to be raised one way or another. But the bottom line is that the the after an incredible 30-year run, 
And after an incredible 14-year run over which time we've been recommending it, I think the barbell's best days are behind it for a little while. And uh, investors should have uh, more regional balance in their global equity portfolios, at least for now. So thank you very much for listening, and I, we will talk to you next time. Michael Semblis, Eye on the Market, offers a unique perspective on the economy, current events, markets, and investment portfolios, and is a production of J.P. Morgan Asset and Wealth Management. Michael Semblis is the chairman of Market and Investment Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and is one of our most renowned and provocative speakers. For more information, please subscribe to the Eye on the Market by contacting your J.P. Morgan representative. If you'd like to hear more, please explore episodes on iTunes or on our website. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is a communication on behalf of J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments, Incorporated. Views may not be suitable for all investors and are not intended as personal investment advice or as solicitation or recommendation. Outlooks and past performance are never guarantees of future results. This is not investment research. Please read other important information which can be found at www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclaimer dash EOTM.